It's a special bonus episode of Nostalgia. Welcome to Nostalgia, an alphabetized version of our NES Game Jam, where we're going to explore all of the games that were created between a nine-day period for the NES Jam that we've been hyping up for a few weeks. Uh, It was hosted on itch.io, and if you didn't play any of these games and want to before we uh, start talking about them, perhaps you check the show notes and you click on that very first link, and it will take you right to the webpage with all of these, uh, I think we got 25 entries, and that's going to take a lot of time, it took us a lot of time, it took these developers a lot of time, and that's why we're creating this special bonus episode where we kind of talk about the uh, the games that were made and give some insight into them. Who else is with me? Uh, I'm I'm with you, my name is Sean. <laughs> and I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Beautiful. Uh, Sean, you seemed a little concerned about your own identity there, but we're <laughs> happy to I'm have Sean. Yeah, we're happy to have the guy who thinks he's Sean. We'll take yeah. Sean any day of the week. Guys, real quick, a little bit of housekeeping though. Shout out to Death Metal Lad. It's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Ha- happy birthday. Happy birthday, Death Metal, Metal Lad. Lad. He uh, he's a follower on Twitter and uh, avid tweeter backer, which is what every nostalgia listener should strive to be. They should strive <laughs> to be somebody who actively engages with the podcast, like Death Metal Lad. He mentioned it was his birthday today, this Saturday. So I'm like, hey, why not? You know, we so appreciate you, Death Metal Lad. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So guys, we're gonna do things a lot different than we've ever done them before. As I mentioned, it's alphabetized. It's an alphabetized exploration of every game on this itch.io website. Uh, They're not official NES games. They don't exactly adhere to the rules. But this was all set up by Sam. Uh, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, not really what a game jam is. I think we've done that in the past, but just kind of how this particular game jam went. Maybe uh, talk about the theme and uh, other things involved. Absolutely. So for this game, or for this game jam, I thought it'd be fun for people to submit games that try to stay as true to the NES specs as possible without going overboard. Because, you know, there's some people that (coughs) specifically program for the NES uh, even now. But that's not what this is asking. This is just asking to make games that kind of present, like give the presentation of an NES game. So the, the guidelines for this, I haven't pulled up now, were that the game should be in 256 by 240 resolution, or 256 by 224 resolution because that's the viewable area of the NES of an NES game. Use the NES color palette. I uh, have audio that sounds like NES sounds. It doesn't have to be exact samples of it, but just have it sound similar to it. Have controls that correspond to the buttons of an NES controller. So you know you get a D-pad, you get an A, B, start, select, and Employ an optional theme that announced when that I announced when the game jam started, which was resurrection. You could take so, that however you want. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that that's cool that you um, that you have to wait till the game jam actually starts because you could be like thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get ahead of this and design a game," and then the theme is revealed. Nice of you to make it optional, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people seem to adhere to it. Yeah. 
I think that, I mean, I've done game jams before, and I think that that's part of the fun of it, of not knowing what you're going to make up until that theme is released. So I think that that's uh, a source of inspiration for a lot of people. And I'll say off the bat that some it was interesting to see how how many different ways people interpreted Resurrection. There were some cool gameplay interpretations, some story interpretations. It, it was kind of neat. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciated all the like exactly what you said like it could be in the the mechanics or it could just be a story about death and so a lot of them were you know about ghosts and hell and all that fun stuff yeah and i think it's important to know this is this is not a rankings episode we're not going to say um you know in in a you know in order or what's essential or what's not i think all of these games are worth listeners times because the devs put a lot of time into them and we're going to keep this fair and just go in alphabetical order so there's no other rhyme or reason to the games. I'm not playing favorites. I will reveal when I have a favorite or something. Who knows? We'll get there. But I'm also going to use the description that was included by the developer. And I'm not sure if they were aware that that would happen for the podcast. But I think that would lead to some interesting descriptions of their video games. So what do you say? We go for it? Let's do the Let's do. Go for it. All right. So the first game... Uh, we had to go all the way down to C. Nobody made an A or B game. I think that's kind of interesting. But uh, Catastrophic is the title. And as you might have guessed, Catastrophic is a cat-themed top-down action-adventure puzzle platformer with NES-style graphics and charm in spades. Guys, Catastrophic was a work in progress, more of a uh, proof of concept, if you will. But I'm sure we all got around to testing out this proof of concept. What did we think? Well, it seems like it's sort of um, like this was their gray box in a way, um, which is cool because, I mean, I can't make anything. So this being sort of like the uh, just like the basics of like putting together some characters and some like eh, like just the the movement feel like this was just their uh, putting together like how it feels to move around as his character. I thought it felt good that they've got that they've they've got a, a box cat a, a cat that's a box it's pretty cool yeah I, I oh I was just gonna say I I recently recently as a joke for for a Secret Santa gift made like a little uh, a little NES game and didn't realize just how hard it is to do almost anything I mean mine was literally a joke and and you know not good by any means it was just you know an inside joke but but I it makes me kind of appreciate some of the things in this where like. You know, you can push that cat box with with your your character, who is the cat. Um, but then there are even little things where you part of the cat box will will go in front of your character, while other parts will hit you, um, which seems natural when you just like play it. But like now, after like seeing how you do that stuff, it's like you got to put some thought into like if you want something to look like you're in the same space as it, which part should overlap with you and which part should overlap. You know, should you overlap with it? Um, I, I'm not sure I'm describing that very well because it's kind of hard to to put that uh, into words. But but long story short, I thought that they did. You know, it, it was kind of cool to see that stuff now with the new perspective of like <laughs> how you have to kind of really pay attention to every little detail when you're when you're making something function. And I'm sure this wasn't the intention, but there was also this spooky vibe to it of like a a, you know like a room you're not supposed to be in a boundary break style thing i don't know if you guys are familiar with those videos on youtube but 
It's like a meta being, horror that you're right, saying. Right, exactly. Like, being able to just, like, be this cat and move around this room where there's just, like, an inanimate box cat that you also push around. I don't know. Like, with the resurrection theme in, involved in that, I, I kind of thought, like, wow, this is pretty um, eerie. But I'm also loving the look of the cat. So uh, there's also some, like, I guess additional... Uh, animation uh, frames and stuff like that that were shown off. I didn't. I didn't actually get to pull them off in my game, but I think the cat has a lot of potential as like a, a mascot-looking character. Yeah, keep working at it. All right, and then next we have Contamination Station. The year is 2078. Science got too brazen, and something has gone terribly wrong. This has a really cool um, aesthetic to it. Um, like, there's a whole backstory about. Uh, like this off-world cloning uh, industry, and a lot of it is spo- is like spoken through the like computer terminals that you'll find around here, and uh, it's it's another like top-down uh, action game in the sense of like uh, like a Zelda, but there's a there's some stuff that they flew that they threw in there like the dash and. Uh, I really like the I really like the setting of this game. Yeah, I was gonna say that the uh, the theme and the atmosphere of the game I think are really cool, and just like you feel like you're you've kind of infiltrated this facility where you're also being grown, and I love how every time you die you burst back out of that, um, like your I'm not sure what you call it. I I, I had your I thought it had vibes of like the Vita Chamber from like Bioshock. Because you know mm-hmm. you'd always like zoom back to that, and that's sort of what happens here. It's really cool. The the last bit of it, it takes place in this completely dark room, and there's no enemies there. There's just a terminal. But I it, I thought it was so tense being in that room and not being able to see anything after knowing that there were all these enemies in the previous room. And I think it's cool that in just I think it was four stages or three stages, they're able to build that tension up to that point where it's like spooky to walk around. I was going to say, it's, it, it was cool at the end there. I, w- I would love to see, you know, like, this game go further, like, see more of this game and, like, have maybe, like, a an element of, of walking through the dark and not knowing what's coming to you. You have this little flashlight that sort of cones out in front of you. Um, I don't know. It, it sort of added to the feel of it. Plus, like, the, uh, you know, you said, Sean, that it kind of gave you, like, the Legend of Zelda vibe, which I, I totally agree. But it also, like, um, because of the dash and because of, like, the the way the motion feels in it, it makes it feel a little more like action-y than, a, than like an older Zelda game. Yeah. Where it's like feels a little more ninja-y, you know, like you got these, these yeah, speed moves and you, yeah, yeah. It, was very, it was very cool. I really liked how the enemies moved around too. Like you saw them appear on the screen and then they do this, um, you know, they like turn into blobs and kind of dissolve to the floor, but then they always pop up exactly where you are. So you have to kind of time up from the moment they disappear to when they reanimate back on as like a, you know, there's like a there's like a rhythm motion to that where you then know that they're going to pop up either like on top of you or behind you or something and then be ready to quickly take care of them. I thought that was a neat feature. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole like meta, because um, it's, it's more than just like the mechanics of the game. It's sort of like, uh, that's sort of how like you have to respond to it. All right. And then we have Dr. Pod. Uh, a simple rhythm game made for NES Jam, hashtag nostalgia, where you take control of an octopus that is a doctor. Doctor pod, ha ha ha. 
and aims to try to save as many patients as possible. Guys, we finally got our rhythm game I know. that we've been <laughs> like, talking about. They they were they were totally like answering our prayers here. I, I very much appreciate it. Um, what did you guys think of the way it uh, it uh, was actually put together? Well, I, I've never played a rhythm game like this where where the it's not necessarily going to the beat of the music. It, it's more so that like the um, the more you get right, the faster the like the level speeds up based on like how well you're doing. So like your goal is to get it to go as fast as possible, but like keep up with it. It was it was. I don't know. It was a cool. It was a cool idea because I imagine that you know it's it's trying to kind of simulate the, these heartbeats that like the better you're doing, the faster the heartbeat gets, and it, it definitely built up tension. Yeah, I loved the music and the aesthetic of the game. I think using an octopus was really cool because it reminded me of the octopus game and watch game where the um, in the later version of that you're Mario in a submarine and you go down and the octopus's tentacles like move slowly, but uh, when you're when you're here with the octopus, there's this weird thing with the controls where the controls are like inverted in a sense of like the left on the most left and the inner left, and then there's the right on the far right and the inner right, and the controls are like a little backwards for that. It's hard to describe, but the button that you feel like you should be pressing isn't the button you should be pressing, and that made it really hard for me, but then I was like, Maybe this is just a way to communicate how hard it is for an octopus to control eight <laughs> tentacles at once. It's sort of like the uh, the Octodad <laughs> thing where the whole point of the game is that you look ridiculous trying to do anything. Um, but no, I, I did have the same issue of like trying to wrap my head around which input was uh, attached to which arm. Uh, but yeah, I think that, that fits the theme. <laughs> All right. Up next, Escape Hellfire. You die and go to hell. But why? It's up to you to walk your path and escape the fires of hell. Joe, I'll jump right to you. I know you loved this one, so go ahead and talk our ear off. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time with this one, and I told you guys earlier, uh, this is the first game that I played from the Game Jam, and uh, I played this, I mean, it took me like almost two hours to finish this game, but it was never, um, while there were a few parts that, you know, were, were t- taking me a long time because it was, because I was frustrated, it never felt unfair frustrating. You know, it was that, like, it was that, like, frustrating, that, frustration that, like, a game brings you that you're, you're determined to kind of overcome, you know? It, it, so, this game, you, you're in this, well, I guess you're in hell, but, uh, it, you know, it takes this, like, <laughs> ominous cave, this ominous cave form, the music and everything is really, really, like, I don't know. It's it's. I I feel like we keep using the word tension, the term tension building, but it is very tension building and very like dark. Um, and as you're running through, you have little enemies like bats that come at you, and you have to kind of. It does a nice uh, combination of like combat and like puzzle solviness, <laughs> where you know before you have a weapon. You have to you have to lead the bats that are chasing you into fires that are nearby, and, and I thought that was really cool. And you eventually get a sword, and you can take on the bats. And there's you know there's some basic platforming, and but like as the as the game goes on, it just keeps evolving. I mean, at, at one point, a couple of levels in, you get the ability to to resurrect the dead enemies that you've killed and and control them, and that makes like a whole new element of like puzzle solving where you can fly ahead with with one of the bats that you've killed and you can take on 
you know, barriers from other angles. You got to go around things and get keys. And later on, it introduces more enemies. There's a couple of boss battles. Uh, it, it was a, you know, there, there's some areas that I would love to see uh, developed more or like or polished more. But you know, for it, it was a really like um, I don't know, robust game. I think. Yeah. yeah Especially it, considering that there were this was done in nine days. I think is right. super impressive. Yeah, I really like this. This developer uh, has a lot of really great ideas on like alternative forms of combat. Like there's there's quite a few games in here where there's like an attack button, but I know that it eventually gets that when you find the sword later than you kind of expect when you're playing the game. Um, but until then, like you are sort of beholden to fighting these enemies, uh, like using your surroundings, like like what Joe was talking about with. Uh, these flames that you have to sort of lead them into and i thought that 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 was really creative and then when you add like the mind control stuff in there uh there's like a lot of moving parts here that i think really gel together yeah when you're defenseless without the um without the sword at first those bats reminded me of and not just because they're also red but they reminded me of the red devil from uh ghost and goblins like the way he behaves where he swings side to side and specifically knows where you are it's not like he's just designed to swing um like a u-shape he's designed to come at you wherever you are yeah i I can see that for sure i I also want to say too that there's there's plenty of times in this game where you have to kind of stop and think like okay how do i attack this problem and i and i think that 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 shows that there was a lot of thought put into into the the game design of this like there were a lot of times where it was taking me a long time because i was like i know there's a solution that i'm not seeing and and, you know i'd have to kind of run back and kind of explore and see if there's a a bat i could take control over another enemy and what he can do and uh that that was really cool and and sorry if i'm uh if i'm getting long-winded on this but the last thing i want to say about this game too is a, a really great final boss battle um I couldn't get there, so you're you're enlightening me for the first time. <laughs> yeah, at the end of at the end of this game, there's who I assume is the devil, and it's very interesting. It's it's not just like your basic like it's the devil, red horns or whatever. It's a cool design. You know, I, I'm wondering uh, where they got the idea for this because it was it was a cool design, little enemy, and uh, and he fades in all ominously. The music's all creepy, and now on on the surface the the battle is just you just attack as much as you can and the more you hit him i mean he takes a lot of hits but what makes the battle i think um pretty pretty interesting and, and well designed is that while you have to constantly be managing your time on like how much time you want to spend right at you know at his feet slashing at him and there's these obstacles you know there's things that fall from the ceiling there's fire that comes from the ground and eventually bats start coming in and you each each one of those things you have to kind of deal with by avoiding them in a different way and it becomes this like this like risk versus reward of like do i keep hitting them and and risk getting hit you know when the fire is coming you know when the platforms are going to be falling on you and you know when the bats are coming so so it actually took a long time for me to beat this guy but it was never it never felt out of reach which which again i think was a, a good um a well-designed system and it definitely gave me that like just beat a difficult boss satisfaction at the end good shit and our next game is golden uh with a u instead of an e at the end there um you take the role as golden a valkyrie on a mission to retrieve as many souls as she can while fighting an army of the undead uh it seems like a 
it's been cut off here. That's very strange. It was like Draugr. Un- Another Draugr. monsters. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Draugrs are monsters that I don't I don't know what Draugrs are, but that, I assume that's something with mythology. Uh I'm wow, you haven't played you haven't played Skyrim, have you? Yeah, I only know them from no. Skyrim. They're, they're I zombies. haven't played Skyrim. <laughs> they're like the Zubats uh, of Sky, of Skyrim. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, but no, this game is is crazy polished and has beautiful artwork, and the uh, the, the the gameplay is tight. Uh, it has a little bit of like a like the the camera is a little funky, but like this this game is crazy good. Well, Sean, even from the beginning, you have to power on an NES just to play the game. <laughs> no, that, that, that was a great. really cool startup. <laughs> that was great. I really, I, I sort of dug into the rest of this guy's work too, and uh, the one thing that I can tell is like all of the all of the graphical um, like sprite work and background work. It's all it's all very well done. Um, I I had a lot of fun with this game too because not only does it have that sort of polish going for it but um it's not it's not like a radical concept but i did like the um the sort of also ghost and goblinsy um like two lives sort of hook where once you get hit once you lose your um you lose your shield and that means that one hit to death but uh every time that you collect one of the souls that they talk about in the story uh, you you re- you get your new a new shield, so it's sort of like a risk reward thing of like, do I want to grab this soul now, or do I think that there might be uh, a challenge lying ahead where I may need to come back and retrieve this so I can survive farther? Uh, lots of fun ideas going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Ghosts and Goblins because this game gave me just a big Ghosts and Goblins vibe overall, even even uh, the two life thing aside. But I will say, honest to God, I think that this is like Ghost and Goblins, but controls better. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. you know, this guy did I think a better job. Um, where you know, it gave me like aesthetically and and maybe the way that um the way that it's kind of laid out felt a little Ghost and Goblinsy. It feels so much smoother and so much more fluid than Ghost and Goblins ever did. Um, and, and even in like the enemy variety, there's there's the there's like an enemy that's holding a shield that for a while I had no idea how to get past. Um, until finally I realized like when he goes to throw his spear, there's a few frames where he, he lowers his shield and you hit him and you got to kind of think about your enemies like that too. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I love the enemy design. I love how the first time that you play it, you just get absolutely wrecked because you don't know the patterns <laughs> Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that you have to know the game and you have to know exactly when to move. And because of that, all your decisions have to be super intentional and the, your attacks have to be like really tight also. And I, I think that's great. And it definitely feels like what an NES game feels like, I think. It's got that Nintendo hard quality. Um, yeah. that a lot of these games do have. Um, but one other thing on the enemy design uh, that uh, you made me sort of ruminate over is I, I really like that they all have different silhouettes based on what like their like their pattern is going to be like you, you see the shield guy and there's, there's all of that um, sort of uh, there's that video game grammar that tells you like, Oh, you're going to have to approach these guys in different ways. And it's, it's very cleanly communicated to you um, whether it's the, the shield dude or the guy holding the ax or the, the piss ants that throw the daggers uh, really, 
really great um, game design here. Two more things. Uh, you guys were all saying uh, that it brings on that NES vibe, and and I'd agree. I actually got some Game Boy Color vibes out of this too, from just the the sprite work and the look of things. Uh, I don't know if um, how familiar you guys are with Game Boy Color specifically, but something about the way that the camera controlled and the size of everything yeah. read very yeah. read very Game Boy Color to me. But not that that not that there's anything wrong with that. And also, I really liked how forgiving this game was as a challenging game so it is hard to play but it never sends you all the way back to the beginning of the level it only it doesn't just give you one life uh i think you get eight lives and uh everything like saves progress too so you get to the you kill stones. a few guys right if you kill a few guys and collect a few souls uh and then die you just get resurrected back to one of those resurrection stones but then like Everything is still dead, so you really just have to think about, okay, well, how do I tackle the thing I just died from? And I really appreciated that. Did anybody beat the uh, final boss? Which I assume I is the final there. boss? I actually don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I got there a few times. I think it's got the uh, like the Castlevania like game for the head sort of thing going on, because it did, like, it did have a different feedback when I did hit him high. I couldn't beat him, though. I, I know that there's probably something you have to do, because there's two runestones... <laughs> like one on either side of the boss arena. Um, I couldn't quite wrap my head around that in the short time that I played it. Um, but uh, I couldn't beat it. You're right. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me neither. So Our next game is Grave Robert, of which I love that name. But uh, here's the <laughs> title. Here's the description. My name is Robert, Robert Gravely, and I'm a professional grave robber. Help me get some loot by digging up graves. What did we think? This game had so much charm. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I was just say it feels like it feels like an early early NES game in like the in like the gameplay style that it's going for, where it's just like an arcade kind of style. Never get you know, it just gets more and more frantic and, and nerve wracking as time goes on. It's really cool. I mean, I don't know if you want me to give a little a little description of what what the gameplay is here, but um, go for it. You you. You've got a series of graves scattered across the screen, which all say dead, D-E-D, on it, which I thought was really funny. I had little X'd out eyes on it. Um, and you have to run around and and dig up these graves and take valuables out of them. But once you dig up a grave, about a second after you've dug it up, a ghost will come out and just constantly chase you. So what you have is, like, the more graves you dig up, the more ghosts are on the screen. And you have to start kind of managing, well, I'll start over here, but then, like, book it to the other end of the screen to try and, like, put some distance between me and the ghosts. And you got to try really thinking about like how to spread out which graves you're going to dig and try and get them all in the level. Yeah, Joe, it's like reverse Pac-Man where the <laughs> ghosts are hiding behind the dots that you eat, you know? Yeah. Like your whole objective is to to clear out the stage by finishing those graves, but that's where the danger lies. So, um I really I really enjoyed this and I actually could see this as an 80s arcade game. Like I'm surprised there's nothing actually similar out there. Because it's also got like it, it, it's uh, uh what's the word for it? It's it's deceivingly, um, it's deceivingly sim- No, it's the opposite of that. It looks simple, but it's not because then like as you start to do this, like the first the first level is uh, relatively simple because you can go wherever you want. But like after the first couple, I'm like, oh, this is like just a fun little, uh, it, it's a fun cycle. But then, like, when you, like you were saying, Joe, like, where you have to have this, like, uh, uh, crowd management aspect to it, 
uh, that just sort of like emerges out of this otherwise simple action that you're doing. I, I really, really appreciated that. Yeah. And I, I love the, uh, the bridge level. I think that one's my favorite because you only have two points that you can cross over and kind of make it easier for yourself. And yeah. one other thing I wanted to highlight was I think the, the digging animation is so funny where he just <laughs> jumps up in the air and throws the shovel down in between his legs. And like, yeah, I both just legs so just go out like split. Yeah, I think it's really cute. The okay. meter is satisfying too, like having um, that tracking progress. And I debated whether I should mention if it's like too long or something like that. But I don't know. I think that's fine. That's the, that's the way that the developer I think decided it's long enough ha- for like, yeah, the, like, the action mm-hmm. that you're trying to avoid there and you guys were talking about the other stages i don't know why um because you know a lot of developers put a lot of work into this stuff for the game jam but i was surprised when the second level had new tombstones and a whole new look i (laughs) I just was expecting to like repeat it and have it be a very simple arcade game and that was just another feature where i was like whoa there's there's like actual different levels and not just like more ghosts or something (laughs) yeah I would love to see, you know, where this would go if, if uh, you know, if they were to take it further and make a bunch more levels and, you know, if it, I would just like to see the, the puzzle elements that could be added where, you know, you, different ways that, that kind of prevent you from traversing across the map or that funnel you in with these ghosts that really have to make you think about, like, um, you know, about how to get from grave to grave, which these levels already do. And I feel like um, they could go even further with that. I also like that when you die, uh, you're just greeted with a screen of like these vaguely annoyed ghosts with like daggers and just all like, yeah, we got you. Like, yeah, yeah the ghosts are all hilarious person. too. There's like yeah. an Indiana Jones looking ghost. He's got like a hat and a whip and like they're all like these cute little funny ghosts. Yeah. The next game on the list is Hellamental. A human lost its soul and was sent to hell as a robot. In order to regain humanity, it must escape hell. Now, this is a top-down style game, and it made me think of, like, top-down Doom, which I tried (sighs) looking up, and surprisingly that doesn't exist or doesn't exist to my knowledge. But I think what I saw in this game, and especially once I made that connection to Doom, I think this game could really go places if it took on even more Doom tropes. But I really enjoyed um, my time with this because it wasn't... Even though it was top-down, it wasn't a Zelda clone at all. It was more of an action-adventure uh, style game. What would you guys think? I'm actually really... I, I wouldn't have thought of this as, like, the top-down Doom, but I think you're you're kind of right, where um, it sort of has that 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 vibe to it. Like, the, at least the pacing definitely has, like, a, a Doom feel to it. Um, but I also like that you don't really start with any, like, ammo for your ranged weapon, um and you're it's actually pretty uh it's actually pretty rare and you have it, it, there's a lot of scarcity there so you really only want to use it when it's absolutely necessary and but when i first booted the game up i thought like that would be like the main way that i played it uh so i, I kind of like the subversion there of of expectations I really like, I also enjoy how fast it is. And I like how it's the kind of game that you can employ different strategies in. Where at first, when I was first playing it, I was like, all right, I'm going to slowly like make sure that I get rid of everyone on the screen so that way no one can hurt me. And then I realized I can just run around everyone and attack the big bosses and then attack anyone who gets in my way. And once I started playing like that, I was having a blast. And this became such a fun experience. Yeah. And I also I tried- wanted to say that the music is 
really, really solid in this one. Yeah, I tried um, playing both of those styles as well, Sam. And I actually thought when I started just running around that it, like I was going to be like, oh, I'm kind of cheesing the game a little bit. But it's actually still pretty hard to just run and avoid everything. And it does give it like a different feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's my favorite way to play this game. Because you still, it's not like the enemies aren't still there and they're not still shooting things at you. It's just like, no, 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 I got to get my my arrows, I think they are, so that I can fire it at the big enemies and then just avoid everyone else. As long as I can just take out those guys, that's all that matters. All right, next we have Hyper Dash. Dash your way through treacherous terrain and try to survive until the timer runs out. Guys, this game was kind of like uh, a Rayman style game for me where, you know, there's quick action platforming. <laughs> yeah, Rayman. Have you ever played like Rayman Legends or uh, you know um, what? I Rayman guess Origins? Not. I have like a three a three game cocktail that I will say. Got it. This. Okay. Because for me, there was something about this where like everything happens and it's so tight and, you know, because you have uh, the spikes on both sides and, and the game is constantly auto-scrolling, you have to make your decisions very quickly and I'm saying it's like Rayman because in Rayman when you die on those like very very long stages you immediately know what you did wrong and it's not the game's fault it's your fault and now you have to go like back in there and this game is like that like i immediately knew what i should have done it never it was never unfair it's just one of those things where you like have to go right back in and try to correct it so i was surprised that it was a procedurally like random uh instead of a design style game because i would have appreciated to go back and try and continue to push myself further during something that was familiar to me this removed a lot of the memory element of the game and instead made it a lot about skill yeah there's definitely uh i don't know if it's a procedural thing or if it's just he he designed a few or this developer designed a few uh uh, unique starts and it just sort of it's all like puzzle blocks after that but um what i mentioned earlier uh, regarding like what what I would des- describe this game as if I had to make like a video game cocktail out of it, it's sort of like Meat Boy meets N plus like that Flash game from back in the day. I remember meets uh, like Celeste in a way, uh, where it's it's very hard. But the thing that I like about it, and there he could this developer could have like made it even easier to restart, but the restarts are super quick. And while you don't have that memory of like, because it's always kind of going to be a random start here of like, oh, I have to get that muscle memory down. Uh, It's still like failure doesn't feel too bad because you immediately jump right back in and uh, everything's a fresh start to maybe get a new high score there. Uh, So I had a lot of fun with this game. This is a this is great for like those super short bursts of uh, entertainment yeah it's a really really polished game and since we're all making comparisons i, I i've got i don't know if anyone's ever played um 10 second ninja i have not no well it's just what it sounds like it's a you know you're, you're a ninja you got to do things in 10 seconds so so this game kind of gave me that vibe where it's like it's very very clean controls and and it's all kind of about like you know, you're not you're not literally racing the clock, but you're racing the the walls, which are constantly you know scrolling towards you. So it's like a it's just a really precision and um like reflex based game, which of course means I don't know if you guys know this, but which would mean that I'm terrible at this game. I'm really bad at it, but it but it definitely um you know made me hit retry plenty of times because it you know it kind of 
always makes you feel like I could just get it if I if I if I you know do a few more. And most people, that's probably true. Maybe not for me. Because I know that there's a lot of games that 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 can have this sort of setup, but um, like there's there's so much depth to like how you can move. Like there's the like there's the combinations of uh, your 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 jump, which has a good amount of like post jump control and the dash, and also the like the the wall climb, not wall climbing, but the wall, um, the wall jump, wall jumping elements, and then the the sort of platforms that you can run yourself into. A lot of which are very sadistically placed. Um, <laughs> that'll just jump. That'll like force you right into some spikes. But uh, I, I really like the um, the the uh, the collection of actions that uh, they they put into this two button input game. Yeah, I, I think I'm fine with how, um, you know, simple is not the right word, but with how minimal the controls were because because the controls were really tight. That's yeah. the, the obstacle, right? Like, if the jump is bad in this game, it doesn't matter how well the levels are designed, the jump is going to hold it back. I felt really um, in control of my character. Yes, he's a little small, uh, but <laughs> I think that's part of the idea uh, yeah. of how the stages were designed. So no complaints there. Also, just uh, to talk about the spike walls that were on both sides of the screen, it's a really good idea that they were on both sides of the screen because otherwise I'd imagine the kind of player I am, I'd be like wall-hugging that right side at yeah. all times to just stay far away from uh, the left, and that kind of defeats the auto-scrolling purpose of it because it would crush you anyway. So to have it on both sides had this weird, um, you know, Star Wars uh, with the garbage, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, right. in the Death Star, like it had that kind of effect to it, where it feels like it's closing in on you, but really you just have to keep moving and you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, this is definitely one that's uh, that's calling me back for more because you know I just uh, just it's just a game that makes you want to get better at it. And the next game, Made vs. Bots, a simple platformer game made for the NES Jam 2021. Now, interesting that uh, they put 2021 there. I think they're thinking we're going to do this again. Um, if people think we should do this again, definitely leave us a comment on uh, on Twitter. and We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But guys, let's talk about Made vs. Bots. I, I really like the art in this game because uh, a lot of it is uh, it, it's sort of like um, a... Mario, but with a little bit of like Mega Man thrown in because you have like a projectile weapon. Um, but I, I really like the the anime designs and your your character designs in this. Uh, I really enjoyed how the uh, your projectiles arc, which I yeah. think is is cool. They don't just go straight across, so you have to kind of position yourself in a place where you are above them at the right angle to fire down upon enemies. But without changing your angle, like by move, like you know, by aiming at all, you have That's to aim exactly by jumping. Exactly what I was going to say, Sam. So yeah, especially for especially for the boss fight at the end, where you have to make sure that you're jumping to avoid the projectiles that the boss's fight is shooting at you, and also shooting your projectiles at the right height to hit the boss. And I was just kind of spamming shoot, but uh, you know, only some of them hit. So you have to make sure that you're jumping the right way in order to beat the boss. Yeah, for that final boss battle, I was kind of doing the opposite. I was I was spamming jump, thinking I could like kind of jump between the that robot's uh, projectiles. But it really makes you. It almost gets rhythmy at the end there because it makes you. You have to you know be firing as much as you can, but you you can't just hit jump at a beat 
you know, at a specific beat to kind of go be- to jump between the uh, projectiles. You have to like really watch and time each jump, which makes it like this kind of like weird, like in a good way, like pat your head, rub your stomach, sort of like I got to focus on shooting and jumping at the same time. And it, and it was kind of a nice little culmination of everything you've been doing in the game so far. Mm-hmm. And something about this music will live rent free in my brain. <laughs> like it was, it was so simple, but um, it, I don't know, like, after I started playing this game, even when I was playing other games in the jam, it was just kind of stuck there in the back of my head. So great job to the composer as well. (laughs) Next game is Mini Gauntlet, a minimalist and twisted remake of Gauntlet on the NES in Bitsy. Uh, I assume Bitsy was the uh, program they used to make this. Sam, do we know anything about Bitsy? I do not know anything about Bitsy. Okay, well, hey, it's up, you know, there was never any specifications on how to make the game, just Mm -hmm. make the game. Uh, Guys, we have already played Gauntlet on the NES and reviewed it, so I hope that was familiar and fresh in your brains. What did you think of this twisted remake? It it was cool because this, I mean, just before you even started playing, I realized that this, um, whoever made this, um, put the, like, a screenshot of of actual Gauntlet next to uh, his or her game, and kind of showing like, all right, this is how I designed this level. This is how I designed that level. It's kind of cool. You see, you see it sort of reimagined. I, I like that there was sort of a tonal shift uh, halfway through this game, uh, where it turns from a, a, a pretty simple like maze maze runner to like this sort of meta story about all of like the the dead, all of the ghosts that were in Gauntlet. It's like a it's a it's sort of like a story about the people that you just sort of murdered. It sort of had vibes of like Undertale for me, at least in like mm. the the storytelling feel that it it gave me. Like once you get through some of those mazes and you start to see other ghosts and they start talking to you, I thought it was charming. Yeah, it's it's faithful to the source of Gauntlet, like Joe mentioned. You can see the comparison shots on their itch.io page, but it's also something completely different, and it started making me think about other games that you could do this with. So I think, like, kudos to the developer for not only thinking of this awesome idea where you're one of the ghosts in Gauntlet and have this whole meta story of something, but, like, I could see this also being a series of, like, if this one's called Mini Gauntlet, you could also do Mini Super Mario Brothers, where you're just, like, that one Goomba at the start of <laughs> World 1-1, and your sole task is just to kill Mario on that very first level, you know, and it just keeps looping until you do it. Uh, I could definitely see something like that happening. So I really enjoy. I really enjoyed this. It was short and sweet too, and that's something you can appreciate as well when these things are, um, you know, demo games that you can finish. Like it's a real proof of concept thing. So I, I appreciate that. I also Absolutely. think that this was one of the games that was submitted really early. Let me. Let me it was one that. of the first two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's also impressive that this person kind of did it really quickly, or this developer development team. Uh, was able to do it so quickly. The next game is NES Hello World, but dot, dot, dot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this is, there seems to just be one file to download, and um, our code-cracking Sean was able to figure out uh, what to do with this file. Sean, what was the contents of this, uh, this game submission? I-, I think it's just... Uh... So I had no idea what the hell this was, uh, but I, you know, like with, with a lot of things, if you just open it up in Notepad, you can kind of get an idea. Um, and it looks like it's just a, a couple lines of code. 
like with the skeleton of like the typical like first thing you program hello world but instead it's uh it's uh your nes has crashed or something along those lines <laughs> i'm not really sure what the what the idea was here but i thought it's a funny joke if that's if that's what they're going for <laughs> i bought a I new couldn't NES. open it and yeah I, I couldn't open it and see like because i see that there's like some text color information there i couldn't uh I couldn't experience it the way they wanted me to, but I get the idea. I mean, that's that sort of fits in the resurrection theme. <laughs> yeah. Some people have dead NES consoles, and then they put in that new 72 pin, and all of a sudden all their games work again. So it's not the games. It's very fault, meta. It was the NES fault. So, yeah, just very meta. And the fact that you had to open it in Microsoft Paint, also very meta. <laughs> Notepad. <laughs> Notepad. I thought you said Microsoft Paint. <laughs> that's my default text editor. <laughs> Okay, the next game, Nostalgia Resurrection, uh, a game that I thought was just going to be about the four of us like going <laughs> to hell, which I would have played, I wish. But, but it was not. In- instead, it was something also entertaining, though, a short little platformer where death has a silver lining and resurrection is unavoidable. Guys, what did we think of Nostalgia Resurrection? This was really clever. I- it was a really clever idea. You, you, you basically use anything that would normally be something that would kill you in a game to become a ghost and and get through obstacles that you can't get through as a solid character I, it was a, it was a neat idea and they implemented it in a lot of cool ways i i couldn't I, I for some reason couldn't get this game to work very well on my machine so that's that's my bad uh but i did play like the first few seconds and the fact that the main hook like the the, the gameplay gimmick of this game is understood in those first few seconds and you have to sort of find your way of, of making that like to get to the end of the level. I, I I'm in love with the concept, even though I couldn't really experience it. Yeah. I think that this was such a fun idea that was ex- executed so well. And I also love all the, the eight bit covers of songs, like how <laughs> Timber is playing on the level where you have to knock over the big, um, I'm not sure what that is. The big log, I guess. Uh, to yep, get across, yep. I thought that was cool. And jump is playing on the one where you have to jump. The across. jump one was the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really um, cool to have the music I think as the clues. Yeah, the jump one's fun also because like you have to jump, but also you have to not jump. You have to actually fall into that like that pool of lava or whatever it is, or jump into it, I guess, um, to you know kill your character so that way you can pass through a wall at the end. But this was also a game that was submitted the first weekend that the Game Jam opened. So this was done really quickly. Wow. And I think it's super impressive that they're able to get this really polished-looking game with an interesting uh, core, you know, mechanic. mechanic so well Done so well so quickly. Um, I, I actually thought that the, the jump one, you the, the lava is like a trick. Like, you're not supposed to use the lava. Because if you jump in the lava... You can't get to the door in time before you like resurrect. Uh, what the what I thought the clue was telling you, like the whole time you're thinking, I gotta use this lava. It's obviously here for a reason. But the music is saying jump if you know the song, and there's a there's a big ledge you jump off of, and if you jump off of that ledge, you take fall damage and die. Yeah, oh. it took me more more tries than I care to admit me to too. realize that I wasn't supposed to jump in that bit of lava. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, no, that's like the only, you can't beat it. Uh, I, I've tried, trust me. Uh, there's no way to jump in that pit of lava, be the ghost form that's, of yourself, and make it through that uh, second half. I don't know. I, I think I beat it that way. Wow. Really? Just, you might have clipped. You might have yeah. clipped. <laughs> Maybe I clipped. I don't know. Um, I, I do want to say one more thing about this one, too, uh, is that there's a lot of little things that I feel like in a lot of games, in, in a game that's done well, a lot of times you don't even notice that like it's teaching you as you go. Whereas like the first level, the only thing you can do is fall into a pit of lava. And that teaches you that like, oh, dying actually gives you sort of a power up. But then like later on, uh, you run into like this little staircase, like a Mario, original Mario Brothers-esque, Super Mario Brothers uh, staircase with the flag that you jump off of. And you have no choice but to climb that staircase and jump down, which teaches you that like there's fall damage and that'll kill you as well, which you'll use in the next level. And, and there's a couple more instances of that where it's like just things that are that seem like randomly placed are actually there to like teach you how to play the game yeah that's a great point because uh, as much as i would love to see this be like a 100 level game that would be quite the task on the developer to come up with a hundred ways to keep implementing this idea of teaching you something you didn't know uh not saying they couldn't do it i'm sure they could but uh it was very ambitious for uh for the resurrection theme and the next game i think i'm gonna say this right Numa Hex, a classic overhead Sunsoft style game like Fester's Quest or Master Blaster. Um, what did we think of Numa Hex? I uh, first of all, I think that the aesthetic that they that they went for is spot on. What they were asking, I what we were asking. I know that they've got like a pretty long winded. Um, almost apology in their itch.io page about like I think we have too many sprites and like uh, a couple too too many palettes active at once. This is this is like the NES. Like this to me looks like an NES game. They did great on that front. Uh, I also really appreciated uh, some of the the self um, uh, self aware humor in the game where there's like a tutorial blurb. It's just like use this button to use your rune, which is a really cool mechanic of, like, if your rune is active, then any damage you take will resurrect you. And use this other button to attack. But wait, we couldn't get that to work. So uh, <laughs> they they integrated that into the game itself, which I thought was very funny. Um, I really like the aesthetic of this game. Yeah, you the the whole resurrect thing, the the way that they implemented it was really cool. I, I I'm actually surprised that I've never seen a game do something like this where you you can basically if you time it right at like the moment before you get hit, if you if you activate this power, then when you get hit, it'll kill you like normal, but then you'll come back to life. And and, and that was especially without your weapon, that's like your primary means of kind of getting through this game. Uh, it, it was really neat. Right, I expected that to be the way that you get through the entire game. Right. And also, just uh, I know they mentioned like a Sunsoft-style game. Uh, I, I think that that vibe is totally there, and um, I would like to see them try to mimic other art styles because they hit the Sunsoft thing so well that I'd love to see them make a, a Capcom or a Konami-style <laughs> game because they seem to really understand those like artist touch. Yeah. Did you guys get to the to the end of this one? I did not. What happened? Yeah, you know, it, it like it really feels like a nice like set, it feels like a nice like prologue that's like setting up this like larger story. That's it's kind of a creepy ending because the, uh, the story at the beginning was there's like Zach and Linus 
Um, I think Linus gets possessed, and, and you're playing as Zach. If I'm, I, I might be wrong on that, but um, but at the end, you you run into this woman, and she says like, "You can't." It's very creepy looking. Like you can't, you can't find Linus. Let mother help. And then like, there's I think there's like creepy music, and then it it ends there as like that's the that's like it felt like the prologue of a game. Like okay, something something bad's about to happen. Uh, well, it is part let's one. See where this goes. Exactly. It's the beginning of a, a Twin Peaks yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peaked my interest. There you go. All right. After that is petrified. Something has turned the people of your village to stone. You must save them. So a- as it's mentioned, you know, like you're exploring in the game and you'll you'll see other people that look just like you, but they have this cool uh, stone look to them. And I think the first one you see is the woman in the uh, in the water. And you can't get to her, and it's not clear what you have to do yet. But I, I like that foreshadowing. Uh, how did you guys enjoy the game? And, and uh, did you did you think that the like stone not turning to stone mechanic? Like, what what did we think of all that? It was very mysterious, um, and I I like that we went the same route because it starts you off just in the middle of this forest. You can go left, right, or uh, up. And uh, I guess we both went right because um, that was the first that was the first statue that I saw as well. Um, but um, I, I like that you're just sort of you're discovering your powers at the same time as like I guess the character is because uh, there's a lot of like guesswork that kind of goes into like how you're supposed to play this game at least for me, um, where you have to learn how you regenerate your mana, what you're supposed to use your mana for. And it's sort of like when you open these treasure chests, that's sort of another um, another hint as to how to optimally play this game. Uh, I didn't get too far. Uh, I think that it was uh, like the mystery also played into that where I, I kind of there was a certain point where I just didn't really know what to do next. But I really like the vibe and that that mystery definitely has like uh, a feeling of uh of discovering something. I was just say it seems like that there are a lot of a lot of interesting things that you that you find just by exploring this game. You know, that you explore, you open a chest and you find like there's the spell to resurrect people where you're like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. So uh, you go resurrect people. There's another spell to cross water. And if you use that, you make like a little bridge. And it, yeah, it's like it doesn't hold your hand. You you have to you have to kind of explore to figure out what to do next. But um but that sort of gave it a little extra, a little extra life for me, where it was like, well, it gave me uh, a lot of incentive to explore because you know you never know what you're going to find next. Right, and the exploring, exploring was cool and all. I do wish that the magic system um, became a little more obvious in how to use it. Sometimes it seemed like there were weird constraints or unclear constraints about using the magic system. Uh, but yeah, the game itself, it needs to be mentioned, is beautiful. Like the sprite work is fantastic. Something pretty, about those yeah. something about those trees is like those are the best looking pixel art trees I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gives me real like a chrono trigger or, or secret of mana vibes. Yeah, ma I could see mana for sure. Not chrono trigger, you're crazy. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> not even close. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And after that is Rapture. You are the only one who can stop the merge between both worlds. Will you succeed or be raptured while trying? You know, there's an interesting uh, control choice here. 
uh, that I'll, I'll get off the bat first because I don't think you need to understand what the game is to understand why the control choice is a little strange. There's W, A, S, and D are your movement, and then you also have the space bar as one action, but then the second action can only either be mapped to left click or uh, or the X button. And for me, with the WASD, it's like I'm not – I played on a Mac, so I, with the trackpad and stuff, it was just very – like my hands were all very close to each other, <laughs> whether I had X or the left click. So um, – I'm sure, like, with an actual mouse, it's a little better because you would have two separate hands for this. But that was, like, my immediate, like, takeaway from the top. <laughs> um, yeah, I was playing on mouse and keyboard, so I didn't have that issue. Uh, the one thing that I really like about this game was just how many, uh, how many attacks you have. Like, how many, like, attack modes you have. Um, a lot of them are very situational. But uh, the fact that all of these mechanics are sort of here at the beginning, uh, you can really choose the way that you want to play this game, uh, depending on like what kind of projectile you'd like to use. I actually, unfortunately, was not able to open this one. So this is this is the one I wasn't able to play. So I'm interested in hearing more. Yeah, this one I had to uh, download. It doesn't seem to load in the browser version. Yeah, there's something with the. Um... I think that's Unity. Yeah, it's a um, Unity. And it, yeah, and it just hangs at the end. But yeah, you can you can download and play it. Um, and it's worth mentioning too that this might be the closest submitted to the deadline. It was submitted five minutes and ten seconds before the <laughs> deadline. So kudos to uh, the five guys named here who submitted this game because they just got in it on time. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like you know like a last minute hand in. Uh, it's, <laughs> That's, that's, you know, that's a funny thought. Right, right. You know, like, like no, because that could totally happen, right? But instead, it feels like they used all of their time. <laughs> and after that, we have Renji Panda. You're a red panda platforming through throwback invoked levels. And I know we've had this a few times now where you see some throwback stuff or hear some similar sounds and stuff. But this was just another game where the throwback visuals and references didn't feel out of place or strange. They, you know, like sometimes that could happen with fan projects. But I kind of liked seeing uh, the the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff, the yeah. Donkey Kong uh, girders and stuff. So I don't know. I thought it was fun. And that panda is adorable. The panda is yeah, adorable. And, and all the friends uh, that you release at the end. Yeah, like a little dance party. But you know, even even the uh, the corporate destroyers of his uh, his homeland are kind of <laughs> cute in their in their own way. Um, but what I really liked about this game was uh, just a, a very subtle remix of the the standard platformer uh, sort of archetype here of like adding those bamboo shoots and uh, finding ways to navigate around the obstacles that they that they give you using those and I, I thought that was really creative yeah i really liked the bamboo climbing mechanic and i would have liked to see more of that i would have wanted that to be the main platforming mechanic like there almost wouldn't be that much floor and instead you'd be using the bamboo through most of it even like the idea of uh making the levels vertical so this way you're always climbing upwards there could have been something there too like super mario brothers 2 style you know not not to not to say that they didn't hand like that. The bamboo stuff is just so much fun that I wanted more of it. Uh, the tropes from the other throwbacks were cool, 
I just felt like Renji Panda needed his moment to shine. <laughs> yeah, th- this feels like it, it. It's like the first two levels of of like kind of showing you like what the game can be. And then I think like yeah, if they were to keep going, I imagine there there's a lot of cool things you can do with these bamboo shoots, and it, and it really does make it not just like another like skin of an of another any other platformer. Like it's it, there's clearly thought. You know, it's the panda climbs bamboo. You know, <laughs> they added a mechanic that makes sense to. <laughs> to the to the theme there and, and i was very surprised at uh, how the elements from uh, sonic the hedgehog and the elements from donkey kong blend together kind of nicely they they sort of look like they fit together yeah with, uh, with donkey konga <laughs> as well yeah I, I really love the way that you jump off the top of the bamboo i feel like you go really high i don't know if you're actually going that high or it just because it's on the top of the screen it feels like that but that's the the part of the movement that I think I enjoy the most. Yeah, it feels Yeah, smooth. I see what you're saying there, Sam, with the, the bamboo. And there is, like, this feeling of using it as a yeah, super yeah. jump. I, I, again, I don't know if that's actually true, but it, it needs to be said that, like, it, it invokes It really makes you feeling. feel like a red panda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny enough, I, I didn't know what a Renji panda was. So I put that in Google and a Renji panda, like... Inter- you know, yields some results of like two different animals, but a lot of times it shows up a red panda, which is totally a real panda and what I imagine this panda is, <laughs> but still never got a clear answer on what a Renji is. So if anybody wants to fill me in uh, to the Twitter, you go. And the next game is Resurrection. In 1897, a UFO crashed in Aurora, Texas. The alien pilot of the craft died and was buried in the local cemetery. Soon, strange things began to happen. A young cowboy set out to solve the mystery. That's a lengthy description, but uh, this is a fun, like, Legend of Zelda-style game. I know we've been using that a few times, but I feel like this one really leans into it to the point where it's a Legend of Zelda clone where it helps to know everything you know about Legend of Zelda because those tropes will happen in this game to the point of, like, even getting your first weapon. It's like, if you know that you know Lynx was hiding in a cave you'll know that yours is hiding in that house with that guy waiting to give it to you so um you know past knowledge of gaming helps you here in this game yeah i definitely fell for it and i just kept going on without anything and then i you know i restarted and went into the house and there's my there's my little knife uh i couldn't get very far in this game uh i don't know if it, if it was uh if the game just stops or if um oh wait, because of the tombstone right yeah was that a thing yeah that so I did wrong? didn't you notice that in the description i just read to you i mean i i read that i yeah wow he's buried in that cemetery so you have to push the grave that he was buried under to reveal his secret um hideout oh man i feel like i pushed all <laughs> the graves <laughs> yeah it's, it's like the bottom it's left, like the bottom left yeah. yeah oh god all right well you know i i, I failed this one uh, well, I mean, I don't know the, the tombstone secret being handled that way. I feel like it's it's kudos to the developer for having the context to like know that the description would be on their page. But I'm sure like a character could have a character said did something. say a character did say. Something. Oh, okay, yeah. I did not see that. On, okay, on great. The screen to the right of the tombstone, a character says something. I don't know if it's literally like push one of the one of the tombstones, but it says like. Um, he's buried there. Yeah, he's buried in one of the tombs. So I just went and I was trying to, you know, press A on all of them or stab all of them. And as soon as I touched the one, I started pushing it out of the way. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, wow. But yeah, to, to fill you in then, then uh, 
what happens under there is you you get bombs like Legend of Zelda style bombs from the alien. Oh, and he's see. like, you know, please find my ship, and you can bomb that uh, rock that's blocking your way. Um, but I actually ran into an issue a couple of screens later. So then there's more enemies. There's enemies with projectiles. I I don't know if you there's actually a lot of items you can get. You can get. I mean, you get the sword, you get bombs. I got a six-shooter, a boomerang, and a blaster. And the oh. blaster recharges, and the six-shooter has fixed amount of ammo. Um, that's the difference between those. But then there was a screen that I ran into that when I went off to the right of the screen, which would normally take me to the next screen, the screens wouldn't change over. And I tried this a few times. I reset it, and I tried it. And I, I don't know if it was a glitch or if that's where where the game ends, but um, but I, I would love to see what might be over there if... Uh, if that was just a glitch, I would I would love to see where it goes because I was really interested in like I was wondering if there were gonna be more items to collect because I thought that was really cool that there were all these gadgets and it's something that like uh, I mean obviously they were it was a very short game because of the amount of time we gave them to do it but I feel like uh, if it were longer it would be really cool to see those those items kind of doled out to you over time and, and because like just on paper they give you a nice progression of like what you can do you know you can use the six shooter for a while and that's relief after having to get really close to everyone with the sword but then you got to manage your ammo and then eventually you can get the blaster where you can recharge your ammo which is just like nice little upgrades and, and i don't know if this is what they were going for but i was thinking like it'd be really cool if like the rest of this game is about like finding more of these gadgets that do different things like it, it, it looked like on the uh, pause screen there were tons of slots for 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 gadgets. So oh I don't yeah, know if that was just I did, um, I did empty see that. spaces. <laughs> but like, it'd be really cool if that was like if that was like their their hook is like yeah, there's just tons of it's like the Ratchet and Clank for the eight bit era, <laughs> just tons of different gadgets that do different things and and have unique uses. And uh, it, it also interested me a lot. And also, you know, I think a user suggested this on the itch.io page, but like. You know, you can make the argument of should the weapons have been more Western uh, oriented, like instead of bombs, should it have been dynamite? And, um, you know, should there have been like a lasso or, or a, you know, I think eventually you do get the six shooter, but something like that. In a game where there's aliens, I say anything goes, you know, <laughs> maybe this is, you know, like to them, bombs are alien technology. Uh, you did find them in that guy's grave. Absolutely. I think you're right. Cowboys versus aliens. There you go. All right, the next game, Revived. You are a lost soul searching for a way back home. You have to travel through the realm known as the In-Between to find cores, which will allow you to return to the human world to be revived. I really like how floaty this game is. Uh, I was going to say, we love a floaty jump. Yeah, I like the floaty jump of it. Sometimes, and there's not a lot of friction in it also, and so sometimes I would fall off from sliding off a ledge before I had a chance to jump on it. Uh, but I feel like that could be expanded on if that's, you know, if the developer wants to do that, where you can, I can just like imagine like a really big slide that you have to go down and jump up through the air and, you know, kind of like continuous momentum building, I think could be, could be a fun way to incorporate or a fun thing to incorporate into this game. Yeah. I think the platforming was all there and everything. And, um, you know, collecting the cores was was relatively straightforward. I I wish that the backtracking was a little. Um, how do I how do I put this? Like, there if there was new stuff on the way back, you know, because you see that door and it tells you you don't have enough cores yet. And then when you get them all, you've already collected everything and cleared off everything. So now it's just like make sure you don't 
fall into the pits of things you've already mm-hmm. cleared. Yeah, I was going to say the, say the same thing. I thought it was really cool to see your goal at the beginning. But yeah, it would have been nice to then have um, yeah maybe another route you have to take back or something changes once you get the last core and, and, it, and it changes the environment or something that makes going back then feel like um, feel significant. But but I do I always like the uh, the idea of like seeing your goal at the beginning, but not not being able to uh, not being able to access it until you kind of like go venture forth and then return. All right, and after that we have Spaceman. This is a small game made in Tick 80 for the Retro Jam and NES Jam. So yes, there was another uh, Retro Jam going on at the same time, and I believe some of these, uh, not just this game, were cross-submissions, and I think that's great for the community in general to be able to get multiple exposures. So good timing there, Sam. Thank you. I, I've, I like, uh, I've never heard of Tick 80, uh, but I, I, I do like the, the look of, of what you can make on there. Uh, when I was playing this game, it's sort of like like it's not like a side scroller. It's it's just uh, it's um, each stage is a fixed is a fixed like block. Um, and when I was jumping, I'm like, oh, I can't I can't get to any of this stuff. And then I realized that the whole spaceman thing is sort of like I don't know if he's got a jetpack, but that's sort of how you get around. Um, and I I thought that was a, a funny moment of clarity for me uh to sort of figure out how this game was played and use it to like collect the the fruit looking stuff around uh i thought it, it's got a really charming aesthetic here too yeah i couldn't tell if the jump was glitching or not but i kind of like the idea of a of a jump that hangs you know so you have to think about your your next jumper move like you're you're frozen in space and it's like now what do you do like how do you fall how do you jump again like I'm sure you could do something with that, and I certainly used it to my advantage to help collect all the fruit on the stage. Yeah, I think it was by design. It was just uh, I, I I wasn't communicated. I, I've been pretty bad at like having stuff communicated to me, judging by uh, resurrected a uh, resurrection. But um, I think that was sort of how you're supposed to play this game. <laughs> yeah, it makes it reminds me a little bit of uh, Jetpack, the old rare game. In that sense, I don't know that one. It's an old rare game. It's mandatory to beat uh, Donkey Kong 64 to play that one, so that's how I know it. Interesting. Yeah. And then following on Spaceman, we have Space Explorer. Explore space while also shooting bad guys roaming around in the galaxy. We knew we'd have to get a shmup here, and I think this guy knows how much we love shmups. So uh, Space Explorer was... uh, you know, first off, just got to throw it out here because I don't think any other game did this. Adjustable window sizes um, when you download the game. Yes. Very appreciated, and it scaled nicely, so that was beautiful. But also just, like, the game itself, I loved the the patterns of the enemies. And, yeah, the enemies were, were simple, like Space Invader style, where they just kind of, like, appear on screen, and some shoot back, some just stay there, uh, some have shields. But... The patterns and the colors of the enemies and the fact that it, like, included the ability to just rapidly spam your shooter made this to be, like, a very zen shmup. Yeah, and the one criticism that I have for this game the developers knew about, which was uh, the very nice, like, space effect, like, the speed effect of, of this game sort of blends in with the uh, the visuals of the projectiles coming towards you. But if you go back to the main menu, you can just turn that background off, and then you have a much cleaner 
readable experience there. After Space Explorer, we have Spectot. I hope I'm saying that right. Taken too soon, the Reaper offers you a second chance at life. Collect the bones and settle his debts. So I guess Spectot is supposed to be that like this was like a, a little toddler. Uh, that um, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, ta- yeah. taken too soon. Um, collect the bones and settle his debts. You know, I really had a good time with this. I would call it a demo uh, because of how short it was, but I really enjoyed it. I'd love to see more. The, the platforming was awesome, and I could imagine a lot more puzzles with that boomerang lasso mechanic, which is, I'm sure, something we're all going to want to talk <laughs> about here. Uh, the main the main thing you have is this boomerang that also can latch on to very specific objects in the stage to act as uh, very similar to Bionic Commando, yeah. the way it's swung. Very um, similar. It, 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 yeah, it acts like that. So what else, uh, guys? Yeah, I, I thought that that... that- Bahana Commando similarity was really cool, and also just the the design of this game is really, the character is 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 a very cool character, and I, like you're 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 this little like ghost, I guess yeah toddler. I didn't even think of that, but um, and, and as you jump, your you know sheet or, or ghostliness sort of like picks up the wind, and you sort of parachute down, and it's just got a, a charm to that to that character, which I thought was really cool. Going off of that float, I love the sound that it makes when you start Absolutely, floating. Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. That, I can't describe it, but that weird little little noise. Yeah, it's like you don't get tired of hearing it. It's not an annoying sound. It's this really interesting no. kind of, oh, yep, that's right. There I go floating, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> and the floating felt natural, too. Uh, there was just something about it. Um, that it communicated it so well the first time you accidentally do it that you just start doing it as soon as after that. It's like, what? I have this power? And then you just abuse it. <laughs> I also really like that because uh, there's only one like standard level and then there's a boss battle. But I like that if this game were to continue, you, you wrap up every level by jumping into a coffin. And uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. After that, we have Super Nature Tracker. The Mystic Forest has been ambushed by an evil force, scattering the power orbs that power the forest all over the place. You must save the forest before it's too late. Supernature Tracker. Something about that title, I could see that catching on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I just love that idea, but I also, like, I, I don't know if it's, if it's communicated or not, but, like, what is a nature tracker? You're just, uh, you know, you, you, you can... Find things that you're looking for by their tracks through nature. I I love. Or you're that. trying to keep that. track of nature because it's going it's going away, and you got to get it back on you're, track. You're more like a nature accountant. Uh, one thing about this game, I like all the platforming in this game, but one thing that kind of got me like, a little frustrated sometimes was that you have a really slow acceleration. Like your initial acceleration takes a while to go. And so especially if there's an enemy right in front of you, uh, I feel like like if you're at full speed, you can clear things a lot easier than if you're at a standstill. But there are some parts of the game where you have to be at a standstill in order to progress. So those kind of those moments, uh, they they kind of slowed it down for me a little bit. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you got to take it slow, but but. You need momentum to be fast to clear certain obstacles, and there's not really like um, platforms with a ton of space, so it does become a bit of a, a balance act. You you want to play through the game really fast, 
but I don't think the developer had that in mind. And at first I was like, oh, maybe the weight of the character is off or something. But I, I don't think so. I think you just have to... You have to think about how you're approaching your next platform, and you know that's something we've been dealing with in real NES games too. Is a lot of times there's a balance between, how, you know, how fast you want to be at a game and how you need to tackle a game. I, I think that the uh, the challenge, the, the challenging part of that for me wasn't so much that the platforming itself was difficult; it's that um, the enemies sort of blend into the background, uh, which I think was by design. But that definitely will hamper you if you're trying to if you're trying to go fast because they're going to blend in, uh, or at least you won't notice them until it's too late. Yeah, I, I noticed that also. But I, I as much as that 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 did kind of um, get me a few times. Uh, I thought that the color, like the the color palette of this game, was really cool because it starts out with this actually this nice little cutscene that has like that sets up the story with this very very nice music to it that's like kind of uh mysterious and it, and it shows this like green and you know green forest blue skies like really bright uh environment and then when um you know when like the the mystic orb is stolen or, or whatever the 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 crux is there everything turns to this like dark purple and black and it, and it really feels like like this haunted forest so then those things kind of blending into the background well, well sometimes i think maybe are hard to see, really do feel like creepy things lurking in the forest. After that, we have Unholy Army. Destroy your enemies and use their corpses as minions in this tower defense game. Now, tower defense games aren't really my jam, <laughs> but I liked how this favored the player a lot, uh, especially because you're using the enemies that you kill towards, like, uh, what you use to spend to get better uh, tower defense stuff, it it uh, it really favored any decisions you made. And I don't know what, <laughs> like if that like I don't know if that was like you know like maybe I'm better at tower defense games than I thought. But I played a few times and yes, it, it get you know like they progressively unleash more enemies on you. But I thought like no matter what I selected, like the game was like yeah I'll jive with that and just keep letting me like take down yeah. these minions. Did you guys have a similar experience? I I've, I for one just want to say that I'm just glad that there was like a very systems heavy game that was uh, that was submitted here. I had a lot of fun with this. I think you're right that this is it's it's not very well balanced, but I had so much fun just being overpowered in this game because <laughs> like over time like the rate at which you make money increases and that means that the rate at which you can kill increases and i just kept upgrading everything with, with between my uh my my necro towers and my skull towers and then the, the castle itself and that and using the spells it, it's just got like sort of a sandboxy vibe to it that i really appreciated yeah, it's a good like proof of concept to that to that like satisfaction of progression. <laughs> you know, like they really they really nailed that and I feel like, you know, given yeah. more time could probably make them the the enemies sort of uh sort of meet your power or or like match you and make it like um feel more balanced in that regard. Yeah. I think it's just so cool that there's a tower defense game that's like NES style like for NES. I think that that in its is like a really novel concept. I don't know if we're gonna play any um, in our time. Tower defense, yeah, yeah. But I I think it's so cool. When I first played this, I was like, oh man, this I did not expect to play this game. And so I think it's a really original take 
on the theme of the of the jam of resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised to see mm-hmm. this game. And the final game on our list, a little game called Warp Star 1992. Trash. Armed <laughs> armed with your black hole cannon, warp your way around the stars. Sean, you said trash. Do you want to explain yourself? Yeah, I don't I don't know who made this game, but I, I really just don't have any respect for them. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, so this was my game. Surprise. <laughs> uh, I, I did the art and the music for it, and my friend did the programming. And it was based off of a game that we made for the uh, this Nokia uh 3310 uh, jam a couple years ago and we wanted to take that concept and revisit it in more of like a, tr- a traditional kind of shmup style um, and so we made this and it controls a little bit different than that one but we had to completely remake I know that my it's not like we were recycling code or anything we had to completely redo it um, and I, I don't know I, I enjoyed it because I was part of it uh, there's there's some things that I think are kind of tricky about it. We'll but take I'll it let, from here. I want to let you guys talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. Sam, as someone who's familiar with Nostalgia, you know that we like to do uh, the developer interviews when we can. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they usually like to give like very vague quotes about <laughs> how they think about video games and, and stuff like that. Could you explain how um, what you ate for lunch in second grade, <laughs> you know, determined how you were going to make Warp Star 1992? Second grade, they would do soups that you could sign up for. Some In the morning, someone would come around to your classroom and say, all right, who's having soup today? And you'd have to raise your hand so they knew. Just for so the, the people soup, in the like cafeteria, not for like any other lunch? Just for soup. So the people in the cafeteria knew how much soup to make. But the problem is you didn't know what soup there was. So I raised my hand one day thinking it was going to be chicken noodle, which I really liked their chicken noodle. But then it turned out to be broccoli cheddar, and I didn't eat any of it, and I was hungry that day. Uh, so that was my lunch experience. I can see those experience. themes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and those are really game. pervasive yeah. in this game. Yeah, because there's a lot I of risk reward in this game, lack. and that's, that's kind right. of what you got there. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's a lack of broccoli cheddar in this game, and I noticed that. I said, wow, this guy must hate broccoli yeah, cheddar. Yeah, there is a glaring <laughs> lack of <laughs> broccoli cheddar. That is but, very But in all seriousness, about the game itself, there were two surprises uh, in this. And, I, you know, I, 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 I read the description, um, but I guess I didn't really... Uh, ingest it entirely but while i was playing i was like okay i have this projectile that moves incredibly slow and i only got one of them and i missed the first one but then when i hit the the second one and then that turned into my projectile i was like oh wow this is really neat and then i had no idea that if you were to just run into your projectile you get flash forward however many uh i don't know pixels I was like, whoa, there's like two crazy concepts in here. <laughs> so I I really like that. I have one complaint, and that is, uh, and I think Joe was sort of getting in, into this with the risk-reward, um, with the, the walls that you sort of come across that you have to warp through. It was really hard for me to eyeball that for some reason. Yeah, And I would just tricky. warp right into it like half the time. But I still really appreciate the concepts that you introduced there. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely like 
a very very unique concepts and yeah i didn't even like put that together sean but like yeah there's two very there's two different like unique concepts which a lot of games will have like one and that's their like that's their hook this had two of them and they were both kind of implemented in really cool ways um yeah i i i don't know if this is me being uh just not good at video games but i was also thinking like uh if maybe there was a a slight forgiveness if you warped and like this maybe even just like the back half of your ship was touching the wall yeah. out of a warp or something. No. But yeah, no that's I mean, I mean like that's just what that's just based <laughs> on the way I was doing it. I mean it could be that like you could just say like no, you got to get better at this game. Um yeah. but but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Also the music was great, Sam. Thank you. Good job, Sam. Thank you. Um one thing I noticed when I was playing through this after the jam was that if you fire your portal and then right as it's hitting the object, you just spam it. You can actually move up and down with it and keep shooting it out of your portal over and over and over again to move it and position it where you want to go. So that was completely unintentional, but turned out that that's like my strategy now for <laughs> getting higher scores. Cheesing your own game. <laughs> yeah, right? The meta game. Um, and also, there, there, we had a couple graphical problems where the screen resolution isn't exactly right. I think it's in 16 by 9 when it shouldn't be. Uh, and there's some... You came up with the rules. Some things like that. Yeah, I know, right? I didn't follow <laughs> the rules. Um, but that's just, you know, things happen in a game jam and you can either like worry about things like that or worry about making the game run the way that you want it to. So, Sam, yeah. how could there be graphical issues when you still had 11 minutes and 27 <laughs> seconds before the deadline? <laughs> yeah, right? That's another time. To Gotta get it. that crunch in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, make um, CD Projekt Red proud. <laughs> yeah. Also, why 1992 instead of like 1989? Uh, I think that was uh, my friend Liam's idea for the date. Because I think we originally we wanted to do more like jazz cup themes in this, which didn't come out until the, the 90s. But talk about the solo cup, the, so- the solo yeah, jazz, cup? yeah, the jazz cup. We wanted to go. For okay, that. no, I had I thought that was like a new genre of music, like <laughs> the jazz oh, yeah, cup music. Jazz like, cup. No, we wanted to go for like that kind of thing. Um, and the first one that we made was Warp Star 1999 for the the phone jam. And yeah, I, I'm not sure. We just kind of got stuck on 1992 and didn't think about it that much afterwards. Sounds like a developer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, who would have thought that we would have. A sequels and spinoff section inside of <laughs> yeah. NES Jam. But now that you mentioned Warp Star 1999, can you explain like what is different? Yeah, so in uh, the previous game jam, Warp Star 1999, um, it's for the, the Nokia jam. And so it was, I think, a two-day-long jam. There were three of us on the team at that time. And for that one, it's just these asteroids that come at you in these set patterns. And you are not, you know, there's no scrolling background or anything. You're just in the same spot. And the asteroids kind of, sometimes they wait before they attack you and they come at at you in like different arcs. And so the whole thing is more, it's a lot more reaction based, I think. And the point is just to fire your warp at them and then shoot it back at the asteroids and we still had the mechanic where you could enter your own portal and it will shoot you forward, but that was pretty much a death sentence in the other one. And it was more like, you got to be careful that you don't do this by accident. And so I thought it would be cool 
if we revisit that but use it like a new way of moving that is mandatory with these walls. And so we were thinking of like set wall patterns that could maybe come in, but in the end we realized that the walls were so tricky on their own that just having walls was enough for now. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, All right, and I think that's the entire list, but uh, in the spirit of what nostalgia is all about, we're not going to do an essential games list, but, you know, I would love to hear from each of you guys which game you enjoyed the most. This is not going to be a definitive thing. No one gets a trophy, unfortunately, but hopefully everybody checks these games out as we've gone in-depth discussing them and, you know, give these developers and Sam the love that they deserve for for making these games in the nine (laughs) days uh, that it took them. Now, uh, Sam, because you're the one with the most amount of insight into what it takes to make these games, I'd love to hear from you first. Um, what was your favorite game and why? Can I pick my own game? or? No, of course not. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's my favorite game then? Um, <laughs> I thought you were joking. Was, you didn't I even have this. a backup. I, love, I didn't <laughs> have a backup. Joke. No, I, I like my game. I don't know what to say. That's um, so funny. All right, wait, uh, wait, I'll the, come back to you. I'll come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You think about this long and hard because if you pick Warpstar 1992 again when I come back to you, I'm coming for you. Sean, you know absolutely nothing about making video games, so your opinion is also um, interesting here. Why don't you tell us what was your favorite game of the jam? I'd just like to say that I probably know just just as much about making video games as the other two people here that aren't Sam, but I will say that... um, I'm kind of going to cheat here. I'm going to say two, but um, Golden is like, I think the crown jewel for me uh, in terms of just, uh, just how it, how it portrays itself and uh, how polished it is. Um, But I think the one that I had the most fun with was Hyper Dash, even though I was just as bad at as a a bad at it as a lot of people. I, um, I just kept going and going and going and, trying to beat high scores, even though I'm not a high scores kind of guy. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that. Okay. Joe, say something game dev related, <laughs> so this way you can prove that you know a little more than Joe. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, that's, that's, I, I, you know, I would, but I don't want to put him in that position. So <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to pick one of these because there, there's a lot that I really liked. I mean, Golden was up there for me. I'm, I'm going to cheat too by like giving a bunch of honorable mentions before I, yeah, Golden was up there. Um, Nostalgia Resurrection was up there. Just Resurrection. You know, they're all, bunch of them are really called grave robert okay i'm done just listing a bunch of games i'll tell you my my answer i actually think i had the most fun with uh escape hellfire Uh, that game i just first of all did not expect such a full game um or such a such a long game i feel like that game could definitely um add more to it but uh that game gave me a lot of satisfaction and and like it had that good that good frustration you get from a video game that like you know you can beat and that you know is is you know it's not unfair but like is is very difficult and makes you think about different things so like i i had a blast with that one and you know there there might be some things that um uh you know that could be polished and stuff more but but overall I, i think that that one uh that one was my favorite all right, very cool. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, there's no rules here, so I like giving <laughs> the extra shout-outs. I- I'll give shout-outs for a second. First off, uh, shout-out to Death Metal Lad. It's his birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Another shout out to Grave Robert for being what I would give the award for, like, most likely to be a real game and could have tricked me. Uh, I swear, I, I could see myself playing that at, like, some greasy bowling alley. <laughs> uh, and then shout out to... Um, uh, Death Metal Lab. Oh, it's his geez. birthday. Yeah, 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 it's his birthday. Um, no, 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 no. There was, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, Spectot. It was right here. Spectot is definitely the game I'd love to give this to, uh, because I think it has the most potential as like a long form game. It, um, it, I'd love to see that take on like a Hollow Knight style structure. So shout out to that developer and hope they continue with it. But I am going to give this one to Golden. Um, it, it felt like the most polished game on the jam, but also the one that, um, how do I say this? It didn't leave anything back either. There was not. There was really no complaints for me at the end of the day with this thing. Um, I feel like they really play tested it as well as designed it. You know, it's the kind of game where um, you know the platforming all works out and makes sense, and it's designed in a way where you have to take certain paths to get to certain places. There's no like glitching your way through things or stuff like that. So it felt very complete, and for that reason, it's going to be my pick. However, we still have one more pick to go. We've got to go back to Sam, hey. who hopefully was able to figure <laughs> out another game. Sam, who's going to win? All right, so there were... I have a couple honorable mentions as well. Uh, Goldana, <laughs> ob- uh, obviously, uh, is super, super polished and just like very enjoyable to play. And it has that same kind of hardness that we were talking about before that makes you frustrated but want to keep playing uh grave robber i think is super cute and arcadey um and i'd love to see this expanded and i can see myself playing this at a less greasy bowling alley and uh spectot i wish that there was more of it because i think that it controls great and i love all the mechanics of it um but i think that while i was playing the game the game that got me the most like intrigued and uh and like in the moment warp star was warp star 1992 <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no um <laughs> was elemental i'm going to give it to elemental um uh because it's just something about running around and like you know it's got like very fast paced like item management and like quick thinking and the it's another game where you know you'll die a lot as you play, but it doesn't, you know, that doesn't deter you at all from keeping from going forward. And I'd love to see like more mechanics in this and this expanded because I think it was just really fun to get into in Warp Star. All right, I love that you were able to finally overcome the obstacle that was not choosing your own game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard obstacle. I spent spent a lot of time it's with this that, game. What's that meme of Obama putting the medal around Obama? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you just did. And also, here. like, because Sam, you were like the you like headed this whole game jam. You were like you're like the, yeah. <laughs> you're like the mastermind well, behind we, the game jam. Hey, we we said when we started off at the end of this episode that we are not giving awards out. We were just saying which ones we enjoyed the most. So. <laughs> If I'm playing a That's game, true. it's going mean, to be worth it. You probably spent a ton of time making that game, so I can understand that there's a lot of love yeah. behind it as well. Yeah. So you're, you're justified in my opinion. It doesn't, um, it doesn't, doesn't make appear me less as selfish as it looks. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, this has been a very special bonus episode of Nostalgia coming to you on a Saturday. And who knows? 
maybe there's more bonus episodes. Maybe we don't have to wait for the best of uh, year episodes. Maybe we can do more of these. You know what would make us do more of these? Audience participation. Like this game jam or people tweeting at us and asking us questions. Uh, you know, Tell us I'm your sure birthday. Do- yeah, they want to know birth- <laughs> yeah. We'll do a whole episode where we say people's names. We'll say Twitter handles. I will read... Um, you know, a Subway commercial uh, transcribed <laughs> if Subway pays us money to do it. And I'll post that every day of the week. Um, we will do we will do a lot of things, but I but we won't do that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, I don't really know what else to say because I probably said it all yesterday in the Ultima episode, right? Like I probably said like, you know, you'll listen to this episode next and it's dance aerobics and everybody break out your power pads. Um, Sean... Whatever you do, don't forget that John Elway is not the owner. I know, of the I know. Denver He's Broncos. just the president. Get it right this time. He's just right. the president. I know. I just I would hate to have something like that happen. Um, you know, when we're talking about John like an, Elway's quarterback like an actual on football the NES. game, yeah, 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 exactly. Other than that, though, I think we're all set here. I think we're all squared up. If you would like to see this happen again, a game jam in 2022. Uh, let us know, and maybe Sam will arrange another one if he's uh, so inclined. If he's down with that, if he could do Warp Star 1993, we might go back in time even more. <laughs> oh, I like that Warp Star 1654. <laughs> there you I go. I don't know if they had video anyway, games then, but yeah, sorry. Right. Maybe they did. You can find the, sh- the show notes with the links to all of these games. Uh, in the show notes, wherever you find them, actually, you, can find them, like, you have to find them. Like I can't tell you where they are. So depending on what podcast app you use, they're there. And if you don't get show notes, that's a problem with your podcast app. That has nothing to do with us. I take no responsibility. You can also just check the Twitter. I'm sure we posted it. Uh, yeah, we posted it a few times. I'll post it again on the day yeah, of the episode. Do it. Don't worry about it. Play these games. These guys deserve the love. Uh, I can't believe that we had 25 submissions and way more than 25 people working on this stuff. All of you guys are awesome. All of you listeners are awesome. Keep listening and keep talking to us at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 